Welcome to Social Proof, a podcast about influence brought to you by Soapbox. We're in the business of social media and influencer marketing. So we talk to people every day who've built brands, fans, and followers. We're intrigued by the idea of influence. What makes certain people so compelling? Join us each and every week as we raise our glasses with captivating individuals and dig into what it means to develop a personal brand and have true influence. Cheers to real people and riveting stories. All right. Welcome to Social Proof, a podcast by Soapbox Influence. We are thrilled, as always, to be back with an exciting guest. I am so pleased to welcome my friend, Kim File. Hi, Kim. Hey, Beth. Thanks for having me. It's so great to see you in action. I know. And we just saw each other in person. So this is fun to do as well. We can just keep building on that conversation. But Kim, why don't you do the honors? Tell our listeners about yourself and what you do. Well, everyone, I'm Kim File. I'm Chief Marketing and Strategy Officer for Aspire Healthy Energy Drinks. Yay. <laughs> and um, I have been an entrepreneur now for about seven years. But before that, spent about 35 years in big corporate America as Chief Marketing Officer of companies like Walgreens, Kimberly Clark, Sarah Lee, Office Max, and Senior VP of Marketing at Dr. Pepper 7-Up, which is where I got my love of beverages. So when I met I these it. folks... It was it was definitely love at first sight for me. Oh, that's so fun. I'm really excited to dive in and talk about Aspire because, as you know, we're big fans at Soapbox as well. So before we get into some of that and talk about the product and, and just I, I have all sorts of questions for you, but let's kind of start by what does a typical day look like for you, Kim? You know, in the old days, my days were so programmed, right? You've got every minute and conference calls and all these meetings and everything was sort of, I could look at my week and my assistant would point me in a direction and say, go do this, go do that. Well, you know, just today we've had so many things going on with, (laughs) as an entrepreneur, you know, you've got a day you need a poster and a day you need to go strategy for the long term and a day you need to deal with a retailer question. Mm -hmm. So it's really wonderful that we have just a totally unpredictable schedule sometimes, but you know, one of the things that makes it extra fun are the people that we work with. And one of my colleagues, Rosie, wanted to stop by and just say hi. She's so oh, into that. what you guys are doing oh, since it. you're working with Perfect. us. We'd and love so, to say uh, hi to Rosie. Rosie. <laughs> hi, everyone. And there she is. We got Rosie, our Aspire gal for Raspberry Acai. <laughs> and uh, I happen to be enjoying a Rosie Raspberry Acai That's right amazing. now, amazing. Hi, Rosie. Um, this is great. We've, <laughs> we've got 11, 11 gals walking the... I shouldn't say walking the streets, right? Um, out, in, <laughs> out in the markets across the country and sharing all the good stories about Aspire so and how it's great for women. So, uh, Rosie, you know, I know you wanted to be a little nosy, so to speak, um, but uh, I think so Beth cute. has a few other things she wants to talk about, and I'm glad that you stopped by. Yay. Thanks, Rosie. <laughs> I'm dying. That's so perfect. So, Actually, that's a good segue, Kim, because normally, I mean, I'm kind of making this a giant commercial, but we're really into your products. And and I think that'll be relevant to our conversation here in just a minute. So talk a little bit about Aspire and why you fell in love with it and some of the flavors and kind of what makes it unique in the marketplace. Yeah, well, um, 
Aspire, I'll just do the very short brief, which is it's a healthy energy drink. So it's got no calories or sugar. It's made with natural caffeine from green tea and guarana seed. But what makes it particularly unique is it's 80 milligrams which is of caffeine, which mm-hmm. is like a cup of coffee. So you can drink it multiple times a day, never get any of the jitter and crash you get from the 180 and mm-hmm. 300 milligram energy yeah. drinks. And it's got a lot of B and C vitamins, which give you the mental alertness and focus. And I think particularly we target women because they want to be in control, but mm-hmm. have the energy and the ability to really focus on what they're doing every day. And the brand and the product attributes are really resonating with mm-hmm. women. Um, but probably the best, which is critically important in beverages, it's great tasting. And it a is. lot of people are always surprised by that. Yes. Because energy drinks have her up for being kind of icky. Yes. And uh, we've got that light sparkle. And I met them originally when I was on the board of Roundies okay. and they wanted to get into Mariano's. And I was like, guys, you know, it doesn't work quite like that. Get me some product and I'll let you know. And in three days, I got all this stuff done. Yeah. I was so <laughs> and I loved it. I called him. I said, all right, what can I do to help? Mm-hmm. And here I am seven years later, full time, you know, at a point in my career where I didn't expect to have 12 and 14 hour days and weekends, <laughs> but it's a total joy because people really do love the brand. We have great consumer response and we're now national this year. Mm-hmm. So, so we're, exciting. we're growing very, very fast. Yeah. Well, Kim, you and I know one another because we're fortunate to work with you and support you with both influencer campaigns and some really uh, fun things that we've done in the social space. But I have to admit, I was kind of a skeptic as well. I'm a pretty, pretty healthy eater. You know, I try to stick to whole foods and make good choices. And I really, I don't touch a lot of soda or energy drinks or anything. So you know, I was pleasantly surprised as well. And it's, you know, you mentioned something else, which is, you know, that here you are at this stage in your career working these 12 and 14 hour days, and it's been such a joy, which I feel like is one of the primary reasons I wanted to invite you on the podcast. I think that's something that you and I connect on is just kind of that joyful exuberance and everything that we do. And, um, you know, one of the things that we do on the podcast is we're really talking to influencers or we're talking about influence. So a lot of times we'll have someone like yourself on who says, well, I don't really consider myself an influencer. So it's interesting that you invited me. But we were just witness firsthand in Chicago last week to the breadth of your reach as we just randomly ran into you and you knew everyone in the room at a very crowded event. So Talk a little bit, that was kind of a a roundabout way of getting to the point here, which is that you have a very distinct personal brand that I think you've cultivated across all of those jobs. And it's probably one of the reasons that you've been successful and have been able to remain so joyful. So can you talk a little bit about how you've cultivated and how you maintain that personal brand? So influence, when I think about influence, I certainly know that here and there you can have a social post or a LinkedIn post that goes viral. I had one of those last year that went to 238,000 people. Oh my gosh, kind of crazy. Yeah. (laughs) But what I really think influence is it it's born out of having built a good reputation over the course of your personal and professional life. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't have understood quite how valuable that part is for me until, you know, I thought that when I left corporate America, I would be forgotten and it would be like, oh, that's nice. Kim went to work for this little startup and that that would be it. But it's interesting to me that even today I'll send a note to somebody and ask for advice, someone I haven't talked to in many years, and they'll answer right away or they'll make time for me. And I think it comes from having cultivated 
lanes of my life in philanthropy and and cause. You and I are both involved in Next Up, which mm-hmm. is to help advance women in the consumer goods industry. I've been involved in Go Red mm-hmm. for Women, the American Heart Association group. You know, I've certainly spent a lot of time with young women that I love to, to mentor. And so I think it's that fabric you build and and it leaves people with a broad reputation for having some expertise in different areas that people seek. Yes. And ultimately that becomes what you offer influence over. I can say firsthand that I am in no way a digital guru. Most of my last seven years, I haven't been leading large brands in deeply Mm -hmm. digital spaces. So I rely on helping new people who are digital natives know how to craft their message, Mm -hmm. know how to think about what the consumer on the other end is feeling. So I bring a lot, but I don't bring the specifics of how to use the digital channels in the way I could have, you know, in earlier in my career in other ways that we marketed. So, you know, influence, I think, really is about whether people seek you Mm -hmm. for counsel and advice and whether you're the kind of person who's open to seeking others because it's not a one-way thing. Influence is never one way. That's right. Influence is absolutely something that builds on itself in a shared manner. I love that. I thought that was such a great interpretation of this space. And and that's one of the things I think that is fun is to explore what influence means, right? It's not always, you know, social followers. And I really liked how you talked about the different lanes. I think that's interesting as well. You kind of referenced that you might not have believed this sort of golden rule thing that we hear when we're in our 20s. And then Um, You know, with your work as well, I can relate on trying to spend time with young women. For me, it's I try to bend over backwards for anyone who reaches out for advice or time or wanting to get started in the marketing world, because I know I would not have had a shot right at a career if people hadn't extended me that same courtesy. So you hear all of these things that sound kind of trite, these sayings about, you know, paying it forward or paying it back, as it were. But really, I think when you get, you know, to our age, I'll say loosely, you really realize you look back and understand that it's so critical because that's how all of this keeps moving forward. And that concept is of influence is so interesting. I, I loved your your definition of it. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. You know, the first 10 years of my career, I was all head down career. You know, I didn't, you know, people would call or different groups would ask me to do things and I'd be like, I can't, I've got to work. Right. And <laughs> So that's one of the first things I usually tell, you know, early emerging leaders is Mm. absolutely make time to have perspective outside your day-to-day work and outside your day-to-day family, because that's how you stretch. And that's how you learn. There are other things out there that you may not never have even known were there. Mm -hmm. And and then being wiser Mm -hmm. every time you do that, it makes you more influential. For sure. So what are some, if you think about kind of your personal brand or how you present yourself to the world, you've touched on some of this, but maybe digging in a little more, what are some non-negotiables or how do you want to be perceived, whether that's on LinkedIn or in real life? Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question because I went through a period of my life where I was so dedicated to work that I didn't take vacation for eight years. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I only took vacation days to like go to the dentist or do a project that I needed to get done. And it made me very narrow. 
Mm. You know, I, I didn't have much to talk about when I did go to a social event. I didn't really have an engaging relationship with many people beyond my work. Mm-hmm. And when I finally sort of shook myself out of that, and it took a few big you know upheavals to get to that point, and my career changes that we aren't aren't going into deep today, but. <laughs> I really did, you know, realize that I had been shortchanging myself. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when I think about what's important to me now, I actually have a framework, which isn't like rocket science, but right. it's family. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, spiritual one way or another, which for me includes mm-hmm. yoga and includes yeah. taking the time to really appreciate what is out beyond you know, my day-to-day human life, Mm -hmm. it's friends. And those are in multiple areas. My philanthropy friends, my women leader friends, and my day-to-day have fun with friends that (laughs) are people who, you know, each fill a very different part of my life. I have been blessed that a year and a half ago, I got married at this crazy stage of my life. And I instantly gained an amazing family. Mm-hmm. I did not have my own family because I was unfortunately did not have children um, of my own. So I have these two, this great family, both my sister and her kids and her husband, but importantly now Andre's um, daughter and son who are my, we call step, but they aren't. They're more like my my additional children. Yeah. <laughs> and then his family, his brothers and our, our brother and sister-in-law and even beyond that, they're just all open, joyous Italians who have embraced <laughs> really me in their life. So, you know, for me, that new family is one that I've really been putting a lot of my time and attention into becoming, you know, fully integrated with and, and love them dearly. And then there's the whole space around um, certainly work, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, right. you'll notice it wasn't the first thing in my little lanes here, but, that. yeah, um, you know, I've, I've, as you know, I started investing in Aspire and then I joined the board of Aspire and then I became chief marketing strategy officer full time. And, you know, I absolutely in this business in a way, nothing like any of the public companies I ever worked for mm-hmm. because I'm truly an owner in it. Mm-hmm. and and. So, but it doesn't take over the other parts of my life. And it would have, if I had been that person in the first 10 years of my career, it would have been the only thing I did. And so I think trying to keep that balance is, is really important and maybe balance. I don't even really like the balance word because balance suggests you achieve it, which we never do. Let's (laughs) not fool ourselves. (laughs) Well, Um, and that's an interesting message, right? For I think young women that maybe was pressed upon us um, in the early stages of our career, Um, you know, this idea of achieving balance. So I've really enjoyed you calling that out because I think it is erroneous and, um, you know, leading people to believe that it's really more cyclical, right? There are times where you're leaning more into your personal life. There are times when you're leaning more into yourself and there are times when you're leaning more into the job. And hopefully the balance is in, you know, none of those getting too much or too little, but it's an interesting concept. I love that you brought that up. I mean, I think of it more as a symphony too, because there are times like, I think, you know, I'm moving this Friday. (laughs) Um, It's the culmination of taking his home and my home, selling them both, and then moving to a third one, which (laughs) I'll never do again, I hope. But, um, you know, for the three weeks leading up to this, I was, I said, I've got to work completely because we're going to take these days off to get our home life in order. And That's what we agreed to. We both hunkered down at work and really said we're going to get it all nailed down so we can be away and 
not feel like we're leaving anything, right. you know, undone. So right. there are those moments. You're right. Well, and actually, I'm glad you brought that up as well, because I think I, I want to dig into this idea of busyness, right, uh, as a concept yeah. and as a badge, because you you have a lot going. That would be a major understatement this week. And yet we approached you somewhat last minute. We spent time with you last week and then kind of thought we've got to have Kim on the podcast and, oh, hey, we have openings and we're recording, you know, in two days. And even though it's an insane busy time as you try to get all of these things done before you take time off, you said yes. And part of that is just, I think, how you're wired. You're very kind and, and generous with your time. But part of it, I think, is let me let me back up and make this more of a question I think a lot of times we we wear busy as a badge, right? Well, I'm just so busy, so, so busy, couldn't possibly, can't work you in. But the simple fact of the matter is we make time for anything that we want to. It, it really right. comes down to what we want to prioritize. And I suspect you have some opinions on that. So I'm, I'd love for you to talk about it a little bit. Oh, I totally agree with that. I I think I think of being busy as... When am I scheduled so hard that I'm not giving each thing enough time to do it well? Yeah. And also giving myself even small breaks to recharge. So I've stopped thinking of it as, gosh, I want a whole day free and more (laughs) about how am I pacing, right? I mean, a marathoner does a long marathon and they don't kill themselves doing it. They just figure out how to find the right pace. So To me, you know, like today I was in a meeting that went 10 minutes long on a day when I had it fully scheduled, but I was enjoying the meeting so much. I said, you know, I will figure out how to make the next meeting achieve its goals in 10 minutes less. Right. So I I agree with you. I don't, uh, I've always had a bad habit of trying to put too much into a day, (laughs) but what I've learned to be better at is making sure I'm not compromising everything mm-hmm. to put too much in the day. As long mm-hmm. as I can feel like I can devote presence and, and, and true, you know, thinking at the moments that I'm in those moments in between, I'm fine with that. You know, yeah. I'll have 10 minutes before the next thing after we're talking and that's all I need. Cause I've sort of sketched out what my week's going to be about. And I've also gotten past the days of trying to be so doggone perfect all the mm-hmm. time. Yes. You know, <laughs> I used to lug around all the facts and the big books and the notes, and I had everything all forward planned. And somebody said to me, you know, you have more in your head than you're ever going to have written down in all those notebooks <laughs> and all those facts. And why don't you just com- have confidence that you're bringing to the meeting what you need in your mm-hmm. head? And it's like, mm-hmm. Yeah, really good point. You know, <laughs> I mean, why am I stressing to prepare so much? I mean, right. you can prepare in the shower. Right. Just use your time a little differently. You're really speaking my language here. And of course, I was laughing because you and I have the same tendency to, you know, try to cram too much in and to think we can kind of get it all done. But I, I think also letting go of that perfection is a big deal. And I love that you brought up the note taking because. I think there's a tendency with a lot of the younger hires we make, and I think just across the board, students come out of college where there's a lot of copious note-taking and then they enter the workforce. And I think they're so trained often to just scribe and take notes. And so I often try to get our, our new hires who are fresh out of college to just stop and kind of learn how to listen intentionally and learn how to kind of hear the most important portions of the conversation, right? Because you can get lost in the notes and the minutia and not hear what the individual or the, the customer or whomever it may be is really saying. And 
that's a learned skill as well. So I love that you've adapted that a bit along the way. Yeah. Well, and, and then making sure people say at the end of the meeting, what are we doing? What, what did we decide? Yeah. What are we doing? And that ends up, that last five minutes is absolutely the most important. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, we talked around, talked around, talked around. Now, what are the things we're going to do? And that's why I love the meeting I had earlier today, because it was with our two co-CEOs and it could be hard to land the plane with them because they like to have lots of ideas. It's like, let's go to the gate, man. Let's go to the gate. You know? And we were actually taking it down into the gate. I was That's so great. happy. So basically your air traffic control is what I'm hearing. Pretty much. Pretty much. And there are days when they're buzzing the the flight deck, you know? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to switch gears for a minute um, because I think, you know, one of the things that we found when we when we started the podcast, we were kind of thinking about this audience of influencers and content creators who we work with across the U.S. and many of whom we've hired on campaigns for Aspire and continue to do so um, for Walmart and Sam's Club and now Costco, which has been fun. We also have shopper marketers. We have people who do marketing or shopper marketing by day. So it's an interesting juxtaposition. But I think one of the things that we're honing as we work with you and hopefully every client is the better we get to know the brand, the the better we hire the appropriate content creators. So as you think about these individuals who are creating content for Aspire, you know, I think I would ask for advice that you have for influencers and content creators around how they present themselves and the image and, you know, the message that they're putting forth on behalf of clients like yourself. Oh, wow. I could definitely give you advice about this because, and this isn't ultra critical of work specifically from any of your folks, or it's more general Mm -hmm. that I feel like a lot of influencer work is extremely superficial. Yes. It's like grin and grip and I drank it and it tastes good. (laughs) You know, what I'm really looking for is, you know, we have something that should help make your day more efficient, effective, and, and engaging because Mm -hmm. you're not going to be tired you're going to have the focus you need. So I'm looking for their stories. Right. I'm looking for them to say, boy, I've been preparing for three weeks for this big event I had, and this beverage really did help me. And it, it needs to be authentic. I don't sure. want them to fake that. But I can tell you, if you drink it for three days, you definitely feel different. Mm-hmm. And you feel better and you feel more focused. And so I would love to hear their stories, right? It's, yeah. hey, it's summer and I'm tired of being, you know, cooped up, but I'm tired of the patterns that we've created. So I'm going to break loose this summer and try something completely different with my family. And I'm bringing a spiral along. Or um, boy, I just introduced uh, a friend of mine just had, you know, way too much work. And I shared this with them. Like, I want the stories. I don't want just the pretty picture with a can or a box. Um, recently we got some content back through from three different influencers. It was almost identical. Mm-hmm. And then Same I'm like, concept. this is not um, creative. It's not, right. it's, it's not telling me any, so what, right? What's right. the, so what? Yeah. So I would really love to hear the, so what I would love to hear somebody say, you know, I've never skydived before and I'm getting my courage and I drank my energy. So I really enjoy it. I mean, I want to hear the stories. Yeah, that's great advice. And I think so often, I think influencers even both aspiring and established kind of think, well, there's a mold, there's a formula and I have to follow that formula. So I'm very encouraged to hear you encouraging that kind of breaking out and experimenting. We get really excited when we have creators who say, okay, I've got an idea. It's a little out there. 
you know, I don't know if this is going to be on point, but I want to give it a shot because I think that's exactly what we and our clients are looking for. So I'm curious, go ahead. No, I was going to say one other example, you know, our product is really ideal for nurses and doctors and Mm -hmm. frontline responders and people who work into the night and people who don't want to work into the night, but they have to, for some reason. Right. And, and so there's just a million stories like that. And, and we hear them, you know, moms who have, you know, early 3am shifts and they can still have dinner with their kids and feel good about it. Right. So yeah, I, I really would hope they can take that away from this conversation. No, that's great. And I think that applies across the board, regardless of the product. It really is about the storytelling and the authentic message. And and then, you know, pulling in the family and the friends and the the real life scenarios versus just the the grin and grip, as you said, I'm stealing that for sure. So I'm curious, um, you mentioned a LinkedIn post that did phenomenally well. Can you, do you remember? I'm sure you do. What, can yes. you say what it was? And... Oh my gosh. If I had known it was going to be seen by that many people. So it was really simple. I was interviewing social media people okay, and almost all of them had not tried Aspire before the interview. Okay. And I was getting very frustrated by that because <laughs> in Chicago, we are in every single retailer practically mm-hmm. in Chicago. Right. So I sort of spouted on LinkedIn. I'm like, boy, what, what happened to preparing for an interview? I mean, if you're going to interview for a healthy, better for you beverage, wouldn't you want to know that you like it, right. that you believe in what it's proposing, its value proposition is? Would you want to work on it because you could believe in this product? And I said, you know, when I went, and I'm not kidding, when I interviewed with Walgreens, I visited about 18 Walgreens in five states before my first interview. <laughs> and I, yeah. and I, I interviewed the checkout people. I interviewed the beauty clerk, the pharmacists. I talked to all these people to really understand what was, you know, what was what about Walgreens. And then when I went into interview, I could say, you know, I talked to 18 pharmacists mm-hmm. and they said overwhelmingly, this is why they belong here. <laughs> Or here's, research. What, you know, here's what's not working. Yeah. And, you know, I shopped it. I bought different segments. I, everything. So it just really disturbed me that someone, especially in a world when it was still pretty competitive for jobs, wouldn't at least be able to say, yeah, I read the can. I understand what a value proposition is. You're interviewing for a marketing job for God's right. sake. So <laughs> It turned out that that resonated with all these recruiters who wanted to share that story with oh, all the people funny. they were. So it went off to all these recruiting groups. And then a lot of, I'm also president of the CMO club in Chicago, which is yeah. a Shocker. international organization of over a thousand CMOs. And so they all picked it up because they were like, oh my God, I'm so tired of interviewing people who aren't ready to have the interview. So yeah. it just sort of resonated at that moment with people and it ended up with like 238,000 That's views. hilarious. I, I have yeah. to go track that down. We'll actually link it in the show notes because I, I think okay. that's so fun. And that's a good example, right, of what we were just talking about where you maybe kind of went off the, you know, the script a little bit. That's not a typical post. and right. um, But you said what you thought it was authentic and I'm sure you did it in a charming way and an appropriate way, but the message oh, mean, landed, right? But it sure would have been a little more articulate if I knew that many people <laughs> were going to read it. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I love it. Well, hey, I'm going to tee you up because there are two questions I'm going to circle back around to in just a minute. And I always like to kind of give a warning shot so you can be, okay. wheels can be turning in the background while we talk about some other things. But 
One is sort of, um, you know, what are you so into right now? And a lot of times that's like, oh my gosh, I just found this Aspire Healthy Energy or this Yeti mm-hmm. Tumblr. It's, it's often right. a thing that someone's discovered in, in the vein mm-hmm. of influence. And then the other question is similar but different. And that's what, what are you consuming? What are you devouring right now? And you don't get to say Aspire on that one. So typically, <laughs> we know you're consuming it. But, you know, typically that might be something you're reading or watching or streaming, a podcast, something that you're mm-hmm. you're devouring. So we'll come back to those in just a minute. I want to come back to your comment about the the CMO Club. I think that's really interesting. And obviously you're, you have your hands in a million things, but a common vein across your corporate career um, and obviously across influencer and, and that space is marketing. So I'm curious, I don't actually know your your education, your training, and if you have a marketing background or if you fell into it like so many of us. And then a follow-up to that would be, what advice do you have for someone who's kind of looking to rise through the ranks in the marketing space, either as an influencer or perhaps they aspire to be a CMO like you at some point? Cool. Those are two pretty big questions. Um, They are. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the first one, I did fall into it. I was a journalist before Mm -hmm. I went to grad school, and I went to grad school intending to go into publishing. So uh, while I was in grad school, I also wrote two freelance articles for Dallas Magazine about Frito-Lay. Okay. And I thought, well, Frito-Lay is kind of fun. Maybe if they come on campus, I'll interview. And I ended up being a Doritos assistant brand manager. Oh, my gosh. And I love it. the rest is history. <laughs> so, um, That's great. Yeah. But, you know, obviously, the ability to write and communicate and to understand your target and uh, be able to tell the headlines of the story, that's marketing. So the journalist in me has made me a better marketer all my life. Um, The ability to really succinctly Mm -hmm. articulate value and, and what is meaningful to people in a way they can understand. But I think what kept me in it was that constant pursuit of the impossible to get, which is, you know, every single person you want to know and understand and love your brand. And right. In the course of that, you learn a lot about human nature, which is fascinating. You learn Mm -hmm. a lot about, you know, how brands do and don't take care of themselves. And the other thing that always strikes me is that the steward of the brand at the time, you know, can bring that brand to life in unique ways. And Mm -hmm. when they move on, sometimes the next steward isn't so great and lets the weeds grow and the shingles Mm -hmm. fall off. And, you know, it's a constant living being to take a brand and and continue to help it thrive and grow and and be meaningful to people. So mm. that's what over the years I loved so much about it. But interestingly, most of my career has been in transformational situations. Mm. So I have worked in I keep losing track like eight acquisition integrations, two restructures, you know, a private public mm. to private. I, I mean, I always end up in brands and and companies that need some kind of transformation. Mm. And I've loved that very much and never would go back to being like a manager administrator of a brand. That's unique. I love that. I know I teed up two questions there, but I think it's so interesting how many marketers do fall into it from kind of correlated fields. And then you said something that I I just can't resonate with enough. I I think that often the people that I enjoy most have that kind of writing and and journalism or English type background because it's that, to your point, ability to communicate well and succinctly and um, authentically that always resonates for me in a a human, not only in in written and, and spoken communication. 
Right. So right. what advice would you give someone yeah. in the field? So the advice is this, which is so many people, and I don't know if it's still true in the mindset of early marketers now, but so many worried about, you know, rising in their title and their getting advancement quickly. Mm-hmm. And to me, the most successful long-term career is the one where you understand what you need to know and what you are interested in and you explore it. Mm-hmm. And it might be more of a curvy path to yeah. whatever destination. If Not everybody wants to be the CMO, but mm-hmm. you want to keep learning, right? So, you know, I would, first advice would be keep figuring out on an ongoing basis what the next thing is you want to learn mm-hmm. and what the next thing is you want to experience that will be fulfilling as a professional, but also to your brain. Because your career will go a lot longer when you're doing things that are fueling that curiosity and that knowledge on an ongoing basis. Yeah. Take the weird assignment. <laughs> Do it. You know, There's the headline. The <laughs> I mean, I spent a year, it might've been too long a time to spend, but I spent it working side by side with the CIO of IRI to restructure the data model for analyzing consumer behavior and sales in the consumer goods industry. Now, oh, interesting. that was very mechanical and not all that fascinating all the time, but boy, did it turn out to be valuable because the world of data and how mm-hmm. marketers got more of it to work with made me a lot more oh, that's useful and functionally valuable over the years. So I think that's important. And then sometimes challenge yourself by you know, stepping off and doing something bizarre. I worked for a NASCAR team for a year. <laughs> and, you know, it was sort of at a point when I was a little disgruntled with corporate America and I never thought I'd go back. And I happened to have been working for Michael Walter Racing at the time. Uh, he was going to work with us at a company I was at. And he called me, he said, why don't you come work with us for a while and help us understand how to market better? Oh, I, I was like, why that. not? And it turned out to be such a rejuvenating year. Because I, bet you had a blast. I thought, well, if I can market NASCAR, I can market anything. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's really do allow yourself the freedom um, within the bounds of whatever your life situation is to experience and try some different things. I admire so much the young people here at Aspire because, you know, they many of them never worked for a big company. They knew right away they wanted to go work for an early stage startup. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I don't know how, I would not have had the, the mindset to know yeah. how to do that. Or the guys. And they do, right? and they are incredible. So, you know, take your chances, do some fun things. And last piece of advice, live somewhere you didn't grow up. Mm, absolutely. It's so important to broaden yourself because the Northeast is completely different than Texas, is completely different than California. And you really will not realize what a great mind stretch it'll be for you if you get yourself out of your comfort zone. Mm, That is great advice. I I wish we could bottle it. Fortunately, we recorded it. So um, (laughs) good stuff. That was great. Okay, I'm going to come back to those questions and I'm going to pose them to you and I'll do my best to answer them as well before we wrap up. So the first one, again, you don't get to say Aspire. We know you're into Aspire. (laughs) I'm just teasing. What's something that you're so into right now you can't shut up, up about? Yeah. Well, since we're moving on Friday, this is the first different house I've had in 21 years. So I am consuming everything on house and every yes. remodel, <laughs> decorate, the latest. I'm, I got rid of all of both of our stuff because it was oh, wow. like, we were by, we've got to have our new, our house with all yes. new stuff. So 
you know, I'm, I'm learning all these new styles. I'm trying to figure out what the hour style is going to be. I'm having a lot of fun with that. And, you know, I, I did a lot of transformation and work, but I've also renovated six houses and built two. So I, I know the mechanical stuff, but the style stuff I haven't done in a while. So to get into, you know, Pinterest and all the things that are giving me ideas is just, I mean, I'm addicted to all that right now. That's so fun. Um, Yeah, it is fun. It is fun. It's driving Andre crazy, but it's a lot of fun. I'm like, I know, industrial farmhouse. I'm pretty sure that's it, you know? So um, And having had the the good fortune to meet Andre, I know he's a very patient and tolerant man who loves you very much. So I'm sure he's just sitting back and enjoying it. Well, mine is hardly as exciting. This is actually, I feel that my answers are always super nerdy to these things, but I think about what I'm truly into. (laughs) And right now it's my little metal portable straw, right? So I've always been, you know, kind of a, I mean, 20 years of carrying my own grocery bags and trying to avoid plastic bottles, although I'm sitting here with one today because got in trouble for my noisy um, metal water we, bottle last we time. recycle. Oh, good. <laughs> but I think I've just, I've been carrying my, as straws become less and less common, fortunately, happily, but I really like them. Um, so I, I have my little metal straw that kind of unscrews and you take it out and it's like a little it? spy. It makes me feel like a spy. Um, <laughs> but I've learned my big pro tip for, you know, I'm sure all the aspiring metal straw um, adopters after hearing my message today is you have to leave the little case out or you 100% will walk away and leave your cool metal straw in some cocktail or water glass. So that's my big learning because I don't want to have to replace the thing all the time. That kind of defeats the purpose. So so what are you um, reading, consuming, devouring, listening to right now? What are you into besides house? (laughs) Yeah. um, Well, I I love to garden. it, It is my solace. It is where I have a whole roof. I mean, it just renews me. And one of the things we did with Andre's house is his mom had these beautiful gardens that had overgrown mm. and we renovated them over the last eight years. And I discovered a book, which I'm not going to do right here. I think it's called the, the, the mind of nature. Mm. And there's actually, it's a whole book on how gardening is a psychologically healthy thing to do. And it cites all these different studies about why. It's there's an aspect of nurturing. Yeah. There's an aspect of the dirt itself has bacteria that's healthy for your body. Um, there's an aspect of being among the fragrances and the the various green things mm. that your body absorbs when you're out breathing it and and among it that is actually determined to affect the way your brain is wired. Mm. They've done studies that people in prison who are put into gardening programs have a very low likelihood of returning to prison (laughs) because they learn that they have a gentle nurturing side to them. Um, The sense of purpose you get from creating vegetables and fruit and things you can consume. And this book is fascinating with all these stories and and studies confirming why I feel so great when I'm out there doing it, you know? I love that. Well, I'll be looking it up as an an enthusiastic gardener as well. I know several others here who will probably dig into it as well, pun intended. And so we'll share that in the show notes. That's a great, mine feels very um, not lofty at this point. (laughs) I'm reading a book called uh, Beautiful Little Liars, and it's a take on um, The Great Gatsby. 
but from the perspective of the women um, who were featured. So Daisy and all of the other key characters. And it's a really, I'm a big fan of F. Scott Fitzgerald and, you know, all the awfulness and and interesting things that go on in, in, in that book. And so it's just been a really fun flipped perspective read. So, but I'm very enthusiastic about yours. I'm going to track it down. So well, there's some dry spots, but the dry spots are worth getting through because it's really the body of the whole thing is really fascinating. It sounds riveting. I've read a few articles on that um, take with prisoners as well. So it would be fun to dig into that a little bit more. So Kim, it's always a blast talking to you. I'm so excited we got to do it on the record. So thank you so much. It was a blast having you today. Thank you for including me, Beth. I'm honored. I really am. And I just, you know, to be chosen to join you on this was something very special. So thank you. I love that, my friend. Thank you for your time today and good luck with the move. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. 